0: Welcome to Freeman on Real Estate, the podcast about the hard facts behind what's going on in real estate. Realtor Mike Freeman of Coldwell Banker, who holds an MBA in finance, draws from his financial background and deep network to bring the most value for anyone looking to buy, sell, rent, or invest. Welcome back to Freeman on Real Estate. This is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network, alongside me, as usual, Mike Freeman, Realtor. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Dave. Thanks for being here. And, and by the way, I'm delighted that you come visit us at Pod 617 in our Westwood Mass studios because a lot of people do this remote. But I like having you here. Do you Thank like being you. here? I do like being here. <laughs> I- <laughs> well, it, it is an interesting point in history where slowly, slowly people are doing more things in person. But it's funny how some things it seems like there's still a ton of Zoom calls. So delighted to have you here. Last episode, we talked about details of a deal, some that might go awry in a real estate deal, challenges in a real estate deal, and then terms that might save it. And you gave a great example and told a story, by the way, go back and listen to that episode if you haven't heard it, about customers who are looking to buy a home and their trials and tribulations. Today, we're going to look at it from the seller's point of view. So correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but we'll cover potential pitfalls, strategies, terms of a deal that a seller should know about and things that you tend to counsel them on. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's okay. A- And so once again, I'll say you have an example of uh, a story of sellers and the strategies that eventually led to well i don't want to give the ending away tell sure. us about this uh, customer
1: sure so i represented the seller in this particular example and in the last episode i talked about a young couple with a baby looking to buy a house this situation was uh, a woman who uh, was in her 60s she was selling a house that she never lived in it was her mother's house her mother had passed away and she would say this herself This wasn't her area of expertise. She didn't have a ton of knowledge about selling a house and how that all worked. So I educated her on that there's two things that I'm going to do for her. Well, hopefully there's more than two, but there's two major things that should be important to her. One is that you want the highest possible price, but that's not everything. It doesn't end there. Best possible terms are really something that she should think of and that should be equally important. And so mm. that was kind of enlightening. So we got three different offers and they were all within about ten thousand dollars, but this was a lower price house. It was actually under three hundred thousand. So ten thousand kind of added up to a lot. Mm. She ended up taking the third highest offer, which to a lot of people listening to this, they're probably thinking, well that's crazy. Why did this woman accept the third highest offer? Yeah. The reason why she did this and I laid out all the pluses and minuses. I don't like to steer anybody in one direction or another because it's not my decision, but I lay out what the different options are, what the different terms are. So the first two, the highest and the second highest were younger couples and obviously you can't discriminate based on age. It was based more on, on cash. So these two couples, the first two were looking to buy their first home and we were, not putting down a lot of cash. They had large mortgages, like 90%. The third couple was a little older. And so it's the third highest offer, but they were putting down at least 50% cash. I want to say it was even a little higher. This is about five years ago. But from what I recall, it was even higher than 50% cash. And that's a lot. I mean, yeah. we, we see 100% cash deals because you have people like our parents who are downsizing or going into some kind of assisted living and they've had this house for 30, or 40 years and they're taking all this cash and they're buying, say a new condo. They have a hundred percent cash because yep. the condos half the price of the house. So she felt the most confident that the third offer was going to get their mortgage she didn't have to worry about the appraisal. That actually was a big thing for her. So not only did she have more confidence because of the different situation in life that these folks were in, but at 50% cash, let's just call it 50, you don't have to worry about the appraisal because even if it came in $50,000, 70000 less, they had the cash. The other couples that were putting down 10% cash, if their appraisal doesn't come in now, you think... Well, they probably don't have the money. They're probably giving all of their savings or a lot of their savings towards the down payment, and they probably can't afford it. So that was a big part of her thinking. Meaning that the deal would ultimately fall through? Or she would have to lower her price, which she didn't want to do.
0: Nobody wants to lower their price. So ultimately, she accepted the offer from the third highest. Right. What happened after that? So she's
1: she, was, she ultimately was very happy. Not everybody is going for every last penny. You want to be happy with what you accept. She was happy with what she accepted. And she saw the risk and the downside with going with the highest offer. She quickly figured out that the terms were going to be equally important to her. Here's the other thing that's important. When people are more experienced Then as a seller, you say, okay, they're going to understand if things come up in the inspection. Sometimes with new homeowners, if their realtor isn't giving them good advice, they ask for everything. I've seen situations where they literally get the, buyers will get the inspection report and say to the sellers, here are the 18 things I want you to do. Well, sellers are obviously turned off by that. So in her situation, she felt like not only were the first two buyers going to put down less cash, But she felt they were more likely to ask her to do more things or give them a bigger credit. So now the deal may not be the highest or the second highest
0: because they may ask for more money back. So let me ask you this. You had a case of a seller who took your advice, made the right call, and everyone is happy. What do you do when you have a seller who might be more on the stubborn side. Have you ever dealt with this? That's an excellent question. And
1: an example just immediately came to mind. So sometimes you get in a situation where there's a really good offer on the table and you'd like the seller to maybe not accept it outright, but at least say to the buyer, I appreciate your offer. I want to work with you. I want to make this deal work and then negotiate. Some sellers won't do that mm. i can think of one guy off the top of my head where the price was four hundred thousand, and and somebody offered 390. And, and with that apparently being the only or the
0: highest offer on the table it might have been the only one that's telling right
1: yeah but yeah. he wasn't gonna accept it he literally <laughs> was gonna let it go yeah. and move on and i said to him this is a really good offer you should work with them mm. and he said nope the price is 400. <laughs> it made it easier for me in this case to go back to the buyer's agent and say, the seller's not willing to accept the offer. He said the price is four hundred. And then the buyer's agent said, Okay, I'll go to my client and see if they want to do it or not. Mm. So it was sort of out of my hands. And in that particular case, the buyer said, Okay, I'll go to four hundred and we had a deal. I'd say your your customer was lucky. That <laughs> he was he yeah. was lucky yeah. because and this was like five years ago. So it wasn't quite the market we're dealing with now. He could have, and I say to people, you're really willing to let this buyer walk. This is something, it's like a bird at the hand, right? People think that their house is the greatest house in the history of houses. They always think their house is worth more, not always, but often they they think, well, my house is this, my, my house has a garage, my house is a beautiful yard. Yeah, and we priced it accordingly. But a lot of times sellers will say, this is my price. I don't care, I'll move on to the next buyer. And what inevitably happens is that, so in this particular case, if they let the 390 walk, if the 390 said, I'm not raising my my amount, that's my limit, oftentimes in a case like that, the house sits there, the days on the market goes up and up and up, buyers notice this, they feel like they have more negotiating power, they do. Mm. And the seller in that particular case often we'll have to accept an offer that's 20 thirty thousand
0: less right. than the original offer. If you're a motivated seller it, it, and there are so many headaches that you avoid by saying i'll I'll take this I gotta take a haircut of three to five percent on what I was asking big deal you get it done and then you don't have to sweat it out for another six to eight months or however long it's gonna take by him saying, nope, the price
1: is 400 the buyer on the other end may say, well, this is what I'm gonna have to deal with for the rest of this transaction right. I don't really want to work with this person because I'd rather have a smooth transaction. I found that nine out of 10 people want a smooth transaction. Yep. And I'm lucky that right now I'm selling my house and it's a smooth transaction. Having a good realtor on the other side is actually a, a big thing. And so mm. I'll, I'll even say to, to my clients, if I feel like the, the realtor on the other side is going to be challenging to work with and therefore the client will be, I'll share their information. That's something that I should be doing, and that is something that they should take into consideration.
0: Very good. So before we depart, we're going to play a round of more about Mike where we pepper him with questions. Actually, just one question, but he doesn't know what the question is, so there's a tease. But before we do that, Mike, put anything else you want to add to the sort of moral of the story or other things that you tend to impart to, to sellers at moments like these? I would tell sellers that this is not the time
1: to be stubborn. So mm. I'll say to people so you're willing to you you won't accept 97% or 96%, you really want 100, 102, or 104. I will put it in percentage terms. Mm. And because that shows them that the dollars aren't a lot and into what you just said, $10,000 or if they met in the middle $5,000, you're not talking a lot of money. So I will focus people on a percent and I'll say Right now, the median in your area for percentage of listing price is 94%. You're going to be at 97. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. So th-
0: that's just an example of what I might do for people. So before we move on, you boldly and brashly give out your digits on this podcast, Mike. And we know that unless you're sleeping, you will pick up the phone. So let let our listeners know how they can get in touch with you. Absolutely.
1: So my phone number is 617 759 1513. Feel free to call me anytime, whether you're looking to do something in real estate
0: or even if you just want
1: to talk about it because it's interesting,
0: because I love doing that. And if you have a question to submit to the podcast, whether it's on the subject of real estate or anything you want to know about Mike or me, no, don't ask questions (laughs) about me. It's not as interesting. You can email Mike at mike.freeman at nemoves.com. That's mike.freeman at nemoves.com. All right, let's move on to more about Mike. We've got a question here, which is I'm pretty proud of because I came up with it myself. And it's prompted by simply the fact that here we are in the throes of another New England winter. As we record this, it really hasn't been so bad. Not a lot of snow, not a lot of shoveling. But by the time this podcast posts, we might be three or four feet deep in snow. Here's my question, I guess it's kind of a two-part question. It's kind of, how do you feel about winter? But I'm going to ask you to do your season power rankings, one through four, in terms of how much you enjoy the seasons, how much you appreciate them, how much you like it when that time of year rolls around. You've got four. You want to start with number four or number one? (laughs) Or do you know?
1: Do you know? No, I know. Oftentimes I feel like the fall in New England is the best time of year. You get the best weather. You get the most sun most outdoor activities. But on the other hand, I love going to the beach. I love sitting by mm. my pool. So even if you get a 95 degree day, put me on a beach or next to the pool, and I'm probably happiest.
0: I know you get excited for the summer because I see you occasionally post on on social media when the, your pool is open. And it's usually open before other people's, which is, I give you a lot of credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, open it, I open it early. So-
1: can I tell one quick sorry. Of course, yeah. It's your show, go. So there's there's something I want to tell about opening a pool early so I can do that? <laughs> yes. Okay. So, Dave, do you know why I open my pool in early April? I don't. Tell me. So someone once asked me, why do you open up your pool so early? You're not going to be able to swim in it. Mm-hmm. I said, are you kidding me? I don't even go in the pool until the 4th of July. I like <laughs> sitting next to it drinking a beer. <laughs> like, I want the pool open. I want to see the water. It's that,
0: true, yeah. April 1st to October 1st. April 1st? Well, wow. Like, yeah, yeah. like April,
1: whenever whenever my guy I've heard will... April,
0: Well, because we did get a blizzard once on April 1st. Well, I will tell you this, Dave. <laughs> yep.
1: More than once, it has
0: snowed after I opened the pool. <laughs> okay. Now ask me if I care. Yeah. All right, so it sounds like you're leaning towards summer number one, fall number two. So what? what do you, how do you wrap up the, the other two seasons? I would put spring first because even though we don't have great
1: springs around here, you do get a decent number of warm days and there's nothing better than like a 70 degree day in March and April where you feel what's coming and you get out there and you think this is awesome. Even if there's
0: still some snow on the ground. So I agree. It's almost like hope is in the air because exactly you got a nice day and it feels like it's, it's just going to get better from here for a few months. So exactly. Yeah.
1: And winter winter,
0: the winter, I always, like to say I'm, I'm a new englander i like to change the seasons which i do but i could do without winter i, <laughs> I, I could, could do without if we just if we just you know skip that that season very good if you have a question for mike email mike at mike.freeman at nemoves.com i'll remind you mike's phone number that's 617-759-1513 Another terrific episode of Freeman on Real Estate. We encourage you to follow the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. Mike, fantastic job. Do you have a website people can go to learn more about what you do?
1: Absolutely. And encourage people to do this, mikefreemanhomes.com. Dave, thank you very much. I really enjoy these. I think that you do a great job. They're a lot of fun
0: and I'm happy. Thank you so much for listening to Freeman on Real Estate, which comes out every other week, by the way. So we'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening.